Good morning. Good to see you. I was gone last week. Did you know that? No? You didn't care, did you? Well, I'm back. <laughs> Deb and I went on vacation last week. We had a good time. And uh, some chose to go this week. Hence the reason for the seats that are empty around you. <laughs> We're going to have fun, but here's what this means. You have to make a lot more noise. There were there were a lot more in here in the earlier service, so they laughed at the jokes, but you have to laugh twice as loud as them for it to for it to fill up the room and when you holler amen you have to put your hands like this and holler amen to the other sections and maybe you'll hear something today that you wish somebody would hear I've, have you ever been in that church i've been in that church before where that they somebody was getting something that somebody thought they needed and they they would just kind of point at them and yeah oh i'm glad i don't go to that church aren't you So we're going to have fun today. We're going to talk about a really fun subject. You should laugh a lot. The subject is this. If you died tomorrow. No? You don't think that's funny. <laughs> you ever heard that message? I am going to preach that message. You've ever heard the message? If you died tomorrow, it's the one that goes like this. If you died tomorrow, what? You want to make sure that you have your heart right with the Lord, obviously, right? If you died tomorrow, uh, what would, who, you know, who would you call today, right? Who would you call today? And, how, and that's also the message about make things right with your neighbor, make things, have no unforgiveness, all that. That's what that meant, and it's a good message, but that's not today. So then the second message, if you died tomorrow, would be, okay, he's going to talk about uh, wills and trusts and leaving who am i going to leave things to right because uh you know you you're when you when you get my age and on up you start thinking about uh you know making sure that the kids get this and what kid gets that and all that kind of, right but that's not what this message is either although those are important things to do and to take care of but you know the bottom line is that any of these material things that the lord allows us to have at, at this time, uh, when we pass them on to our children or grandchildren or whomever that might be, the bottom line is, how, regard, however valuable they may be to us right now and even to our family, when we're gone, they're going to burn. So that's not what this message is about. So what could we possibly be talking about then? Let's talk about the eternal gifts that you have that you could leave someone. Let's think about things like character and your love or wisdom, knowledge, various traits that make you who you are. Let's talk about what is it that you are going to impart to the next generation. We all want to leave this place better than we found it. In fact, maybe that was the deal God made us way back eons ago. I don't know, way, 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 way ago. Maybe at some point God said to you when you were a soul, I'm going to put you in a body. I'm going to put you on the earth at such and such a time. And this is how you're going to live out your life. And this is what I expect you to do. Maybe, maybe that happened. I don't know. 
So what are the things then that are happening in you, to you, around you, about you, that are causing to, you to become the person you are, that form the character and the nature of who you are? And what are you doing about making sure that that doesn't die with you? I'm talking about the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding, the spiritual depth, all the things that you've accumulated in your life. How are you going to make sure that you don't just take those things with you to the grave? Is it even necessary to have this conversation? I think it is. And we never think that anyone would be interested in our attention, do we? It's like so many of us don't think about passing things on because we're like, nobody really cares about. If I wrote something, nobody's going to read it. And if I said something, nobody's going to repeat it. Nobody's going to really care. Right? You know, I mean, we don't we don't sense any importance or significance about ourselves. I'm always amazed because of uh, those of you that know me well, you know that I'm always laughing and I tell jokes at times I probably shouldn't. You know, I mean, uh, I never told I didn't tell the first guys this, but years ago when I was early in ministry, I nearly got kicked out of a funeral. You know, and and that's really bad. I mean, a couple of preachers and me were sitting together and we started laughing so much that we they nearly kicked us out of a funeral. I mean, that's just totally inappropriate. You guys don't put ears for a minute. I, I, I say things that I shouldn't. I, I think that I mean, I'm just I'm I'm dummy sometimes. And so it amazes me when someone will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor, this is so and so. It's their first time here. He or she are really excited to meet you. I'm like, me? Really? Why? Anybody that knows me knows that's not a, that's really not a big deal. You know, I don't know that they're going to be better for having done that. Um, I'm honored. I'm excited about meeting them, but I don't know this is really going to be a big deal for them. It's not going to walk away and say, wow, I, you know, I met so-and-so. So we have this in our minds that we're not important, that we're not, you know, if, if we were gone tomorrow, the world wouldn't miss us, right? I mean, it's no big, we have nothing to offer. And that is just false. Every single one of us, including me, have people in our lives that God has put around us that, that create what we would call our sphere of influence. You are influencing someone's life. Regardless of your age. There are people who would desperately love to have you invest in them. So who are the people that you are influencing and how are you doing with that? I want you to look at Numbers chapter 27, starting at verse 12. Because this speaks to this issue. The Lord said to Moses, go up into the mountains, take a look at the land I'm going to give the Israelites. And after you see it, you too will join your ancestors in death, just as your brother Aaron did. You both rebelled against my command in the desert. You didn't show the people how how holy I am when they were complaining at the oasis. And so Moses said to the Lord, well, Lord, you're the God who gives breath of life to everybody. Basically, I resolve myself to this. If that's how it has to be, it has to be. But please appoint someone over the community. Somebody who will lead them in and out of battle so that the Lord's community will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And so the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, man who has the spirit, place your hand on him, make him stand in front of the priest, 
the whole community, give him his instructions in their presence, give him some of your authority so that the whole community of Israel will obey him. And he will stand in front of the priest who will use the Urim to make decisions in the Lord's presence. And at his command, Joshua and the whole community of Israel will go into battle. And at his command, they will return. Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and made him stand in front of the priest and the whole community, placed his hands on him, gave him his instructions that the Lord had told him. Now, from these verses, we can glean three truths. These truths are applicable to, today to us as him for this reason. Someday when you reach that point where you are about to hand the baton to the next generation and you know that you're about to pass over to glory, these three truths are going to be just as important to you then as they were to Moses on this day. Moses knows he's leaving. And so these three things in these verses are important to him. First of all, we all are going to depart this life one day. That's the first truth. If the Lord doesn't come and get us in what we call the rapture, Maybe he will. I'm hoping for that. I'd love to be a part of that generation, wouldn't you? I'd love to be a part of that rapture. And hopefully we'll, we'll be the generation that gets to see that. But if we don't, then we are all going to pass away. Everybody in this room, within the space of, let me look around, within the space of probably at least 80 years, 85 years, we're all going to be gone one way or another. So that's truth number one. I said we were going to have fun today. There we go. There's number one. Let's all have fun. We're all going to die. Number two, we all want to see our life's work continue successfully. Means it's more important to me that 23 years so far in this church continue and that whoever takes this baton from me takes this church to heights that we've never seen in, in our time. That's more important to me than it ever would be for me to have a statue. A lot of people putting up statues, you know, because they want to be remembered. I'd a lot rather be remembered, my legacy to be, that we invested in people and in leaders and that the ministry continued. So we all want to see our life's work continue. Thirdly, we all care about the future of the people that we're leaving behind. We care about the people around us. We care about our family. So now what are we going to do? So I turn to these guys over here and I talk to them in the first service. And Russell's back. I'm, uh, it must have really been good because you're back for a second go around. So, so uh, you know, it was either good or else you were sleeping the first time and somebody made you come back to make sure you're here. But you weren't because you were grinning just like that last time. So you must have been awake. So I turn to you guys. And I say what I said earlier, and that is that at this point, after having heard this introduction, most of you at your age are thinking, well, okay, I can go to sleep because he's talking to people about to die, and we're never going to die. And if we do, it's going to be a long, long time. And that's true. It's going to be a long, long time from now. So we think, well, there's really no need in us, you know, the next 30 minutes or so. There's some stuff we could do on our phone. Or there's some stuff that we can, you know, maybe we, we could talk or something. Really no need to listen. But I'm saying to you that, that there is a reason and a necessity for you to hear this because even at your age, you are drastically influencing the life of someone. Every, every little kid down in children's church right now wants to be you. They want to be like you. They want to look like you. They can't wait till they're your age. They want to do all the fun things y'all are learning to do and getting to do. At every stage of our life, we're in that. It's 
like the little kids are looking to be like the youth. The youth are thinking, man, I'm looking to these, these college students. College students are looking to the young adults that are getting married and starting their careers, having kids. Th- those are looking to the ones that are kids or teenagers. And it, it goes on and on and on. At my point, I'm still looking for spiritual fathers. I'm still looking for those people that have gone where I am going that have the wisdom to help me get there uh, and transition successfully without hopefully some of the stress and trials that they've gone through. We all, if we have wisdom, we're all looking for that. So every one of us, regardless of our age, have a sphere of influence. There's somebody that's looking to us and there's somebody, even if we don't think it, that looks to us as a hero, a role model, an example. As foreign as that may sound to you, there's somebody that's looking to you. Maybe it's your parents and it's you are parents and it's your children that you're having this major influence over their life. But we are all somewhere in this cycle. It's not just high level leaders that are visible, that are influential. We are all making a difference. And so God told Moses what to do. Here's, here's how you do this. And this is what we need to do. This is what we would glean from these verses. Okay. I am hoping that all of us at this point are starting to try to identify the people that God has put in our lives that we're having influence over. That's what I'm hoping you're doing right now. That you're thinking, wow, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but there's... There's this young person, there's this, that young couple that live down the street, and that this guy at work, and this, this girl over here at the store, and whatever that might be, that you're kind of getting that in your mind, and you say, okay, well, what do we do about it? Well, you know, some of what Moses did about that, you can't just do if you're just now identifying that. But if you have found that person, and when you find those people that you're actively involved in mentoring, it's that mentor-mentee relationship. When you find that person or persons that you're actually able to mentor, then these things that Moses did with Joshua become much more pertinent. The first thing that God told Moses to do with Joshua was he told him to place his hands on him. Now, in our culture, I would not recommend that. In our generation, I wouldn't say you don't, probably don't need to run around grabbing folks and saying, hey, you're with me. I'm going to teach you everything I know. I'm going to become your spiritual father. In fact, if you have to tell somebody that, you're not. So uh, don't go around doing that. I've decided to be your mama. That's not going to work. When he says place your hand on him, though, there's a, there, in that culture it meant that's literally what he did. And it had to happen, that affirmation of, of him placing his hands on him in front of the people. And it meant something to them. In our generation, basically, or in our culture, basically the same thing happens just by making the statement If you find that person, you don't have to lay your hand on them, but affirm them. That's what it's saying. Affirm them. Vouch for them. Allow other people to see that that you trust this person or persons and that that you're backing them. Now, the way that you get them ready for later on is another message, and we can't go there, but but, but just generically, just basically on the surface... Who can you be raising up, encouraging, empowering, confirming, and preparing to take the baton when you pass? Because you hear that message too. You hear the message about this generation needs to pass the baton to the next generation. Am I right? But we got to pass it to somebody. We can't just pass it to somebody. Huh? And those, those older guys, when they handed that off to us, they had to... They had to 
to invest in our lives before they felt willing or before they, before they felt like that we were able to receive that baton. So it, it wasn't just one day somebody walked up to me and said, hey, you know what, you're 12 years old. I think you're going to be a preacher. Here, preach next Sunday. I want to I affirm you. I want to invest in you. I want people to see that I'm behind you. That didn't happen. The call was on my life for a long time before anybody was ever brave enough to give me an opportunity to speak. And even at that point, it wasn't on a Sunday morning. So you're finding these individuals and there are, certain, there are ways to affirm them. There are ways to vouch for them. There are ways to confirm to other people that you believe in this individual and that you are encouraging their life. Secondly, Moses, God told Moses to instruct Joshua. We instruct these people to our best ability. Now, Moses was told to do this publicly. He said he'd been doing it privately. You remember the story? He, when Moses was going up to the mountain, Joshua would go with him and stand at the foot. He, he was going with him already. He was being invested in all the time. He was, he, was, he was being mentored all the time. He was, he was with Moses a lot. Moses knew of his ability. Moses knew a lot about Joshua. He's hanging around with him a lot. But now God was saying, since you're leaving Moses and he's about to take over, they need to see that he's the guy. You're the one that's going to show them that he's the guy. And so I want you, you've been instructing him, but now I want you to bring him up, lay hands on him, affirm him, and I want you to give him his instructions in front of them. This will make him, what, responsible for what you're about to impart to him and accountable. All of them will see how this transaction is carried forth, and they'll be like, okay, I remember when he brought him up, he laid hands on him, prayed for him, instructed him, told, I remember what he told him to do. He's instructing him publicly. And then thirdly, give them earned authority. It's necessary for the children of Israel to know that Moses has faith in Joshua, in his wisdom and his ability. The people that are, that are, that are going to be following your protege when you're gone need to have confidence that this new leader is capable and you're the only one that can bestow that mantle on them. And again, you all are being like, okay, now... This, all of a sudden you've left me again because I'm not going to pastor. I'm not handing a mantle down to somebody. I'm not president. I'm not, you know, I'm not the leader of my, of my business. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about still in your house. In your house, in your school, in your neighborhood, at your job. This still works. Now, I understand you don't have to take this to the level of, you know, you're saying, well, you're saying that whatever level we're at, we should be raising people up. Yes. You think we should be bringing them up? I'm not saying that we need to go down there and get all the six-year-olds lined up and have them lay hands on the five-year-olds so that the five-year-olds can be six years old next year. It's funny, I went to a, I'm not making fun of it, guys. It was my own grandbaby. I went to my grandsons, or my, no, it was, what, what, that's not the one I want to talk about. I want to talk about my granddaughters. I went to two of them. Well, I didn't even get to go to his. I'm all of them. He graduated from preschool from one year to the next. I didn't even make that graduation. But my granddaughter graduated from kindergarten to first grade. You say, that's a big deal. I'm like, well, it was cute. But it's not a big deal. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I mean, I enjoyed it. I had a good seat and everything. We were taking pictures and it was fun. She's waving at us. We're waving at her. It was an awesome time, but I failed to see the real relevance of a kindergarten graduation. This is a little bit different here. Joshua is getting ready to take 3 million people who Moses has been leading for 40 years. He's led them through all kinds of circumstances, situations, perilous situations. And now this guy Joshua is about to have to lead these 3 million people in and out of the battles that will be necessary in order to take the promised land. This is not a kindergarten graduation. The people that you are preparing to be on this planet and to do something effective when you're gone. You say, not me, really. I'm telling you, you're here for a reason. God made you, put you here right now for just a time as this. And he gave you a sphere of influence. People that look to you, whether you acknowledge that or not. They look to you. They look up to you. They respect you. They want to be like you. And what are you doing with that responsibility? Now I ask the question again. What would you give away today if you were going to die tomorrow? Of that wisdom, of that knowledge, of that spiritual impartation that was given to you by the laying on of hands at some point in your life. Who are you sending that on with? Joshua had to have Moses' blessing. He had to have the impartation of his authority. Dads, you need to be handing that down to your sons. Moms to your daughters. Watch the History Channel, you know. Read the history books. You see why it made so much sense that all the time in the years past that mothers would sit their daughters down and teach them how to knit and sew and dads would teach the kids how to farm and hunt and fish. Still important. All those things are still important. In my book, they're still all important. How to change the oil in the car, you know, later on. All these kind change attire. I mean, all these kinds of things are very, very important. They're very important that you pass those down to your children. But I'm going to tell you what's really important that you pass down to your children. See, what this is uh, end of May. July will mark the second year of my dad being gone. And September will mark the second year of my mama being gone. They die within nine weeks of each other. I am very grateful for the things that they worked so hard in this life to have. And when they passed away, those things were passed down to my sisters and I in a trust. It's neat. Katie's seen it. I, I got, I got, my sister and I, we got a tractor and a brush hog. We got a little bit of land. We had a bunch of cars that Katie helped us sell. Dad loved old cars. How many did we sell, Katie? We had a bunch of them. I got pocket knives that mean a lot to me. I got the old 22 pistol. 
Man, it means a lot. I take it down and look at it every once in a while. It's the one that me and him, when we went fishing at one time, he said, be careful because there's snakes. And I was talking like that. And he said, stop. And I stopped. And there's a snake right between my legs. And he took the pistol and shot at the snake between my legs and missed. And then he said, stand still and we'll try again. And I did. And he got it the second shot. So I take the pistol out and I look at it. I think about those things. They're very, that's all that stuff's important to me, Virgil. All those things are important to me, but they're all going to burn. You know what the two most precious things that I have for my mom and dad are? They're not the things that you would consider valuable. My mama kept a journal of her grandbabies, handwritten journal. When every one of them was born, how much they weighed, who they looked like, who she thought their personality reflected. And then she, for years, she continued to write about her children and her grandchildren. It's about that thick. I got it out not too long ago. I just sat down and read it from page to page, from front to back. That means a whole lot more to me than the house they left me. Dad gave me a, well, by virtue of passing, a sack full of his messages. I'm talking about back in the old day, you didn't write your message on a computer. You sat down on a piece of, with a piece of paper and a Thompson chain Bible and you flipped it open and you wrote your hand notes. And it was whatever kind of paper you could find, an envelope, a notebook piece of whatever it was. It's not uniform. And you'd lay your Bible up on the podium and you'd take those notes and half the time the wind would blow them. You'd flip them around. He wrote out all those notes. I got a sack full of notes from the messages that my dad preached. I grew up listening to him preach. Messages like one more night with the frogs. Discouraged because of the way messages like that. Man, that means a whole lot more to me than the pistol and the tractor. So you think to yourself, man, one of these days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the house to the kids. I'm going to leave the cars to the kids. I'm going to leave this. You want, you want me to tell you what your kids want you to leave to them? Leave them something. Leave them something in the way of a poem or a song or a, a journal or a message or a letter. Or you say, nobody cares. They don't want to hear from me. I'm telling you, I'm, I guarantee you. That's what they're going to want to see. That's what they're going to want to have. Am I right? For any of you that's been where I'm at, can, I, can you attest? How do you apply this to this word? What does this have to do with everything? I'm young. I'm not going to die for a long time. I'm telling you. Right now, you may not get to affirm somebody to ministry. You might not get to give them their instructions just yet. You might not be able to place your authority on them. But one of these days, you're going to get to. But right now, there's somebody that you could be investing in their life. There's somebody that's wanting to be where you are that you could reach down and get them by the hand, symbolically or otherwise, and help get them to where you are. They may not even be asking they really need you. They're just afraid to ask. And you know those of us that think nobody would really want to talk to us. You know why they don't want to talk to us sometimes? Because they're intimidated. We don't even know it. How many people are intimidated to come and ask for your advice? How many people are intimidated to come and, and ask you, would you mentor me? Would you help me? Would you, would you pray with me? They don't say anything because they look at you. They respect you. You don't even know it. They respect you. They want to be like you. And so they don't bother you because they stand in awe of you. Like, why would they stand in awe? I don't know why they would do that. But they do. 
So look around. Look around. Notice the people that are kind of hanging around on the outskirts. Notice the people that you know are struggling. Notice the ones you know they're having a hard time. I'm not telling you have to pay their bills. I'm not telling you have to take them to raise. I'm saying it wouldn't be a bad thing, though, for you to notice. Smile. Say, you know what? I've noticed you, and I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm I'm sending them a little note, send them a letter. You have no idea what that would mean. I joked about it earlier about, I can't understand why anybody would want to get a note from me. But but apparently somebody does, because every once in a while somebody will come up, they have one, you know, I was joking about it. I said, they're carrying one and it's tear stained and they've hold it to their heart. And if it's three weeks ago and they're like, this letter meant so much to me, it changed my life. Like, Are you kidding me? I said, man, I hope to see you this Sunday. It, and it was important to me enough to send it, but I didn't really think that they were going to carry it with them for the rest of their life. People are carrying things with them that you have said, that you have done. How much information do you have stored up in you that unless you give it away is going to go to the grave with you? What do you know that you could share with somebody that you're just going to keep inside because you don't think they care? You're going to carry it to the grave and then give an account to God. Is God going to be like, remember we had that discussion? I said, I'm going to send you down and he's going to do this and have all these experiences so that it would make you who you are and then you could invest in somebody. It's called what? Discipleship. And I was going to let you make disciples. Which is where we're heading here in a second. I was going to let you make disciples. And you didn't think anybody wanted to hear from you. So you just kept your mouth shut and just rolled on through. And then you died and took it with you. Get to work investing in people. Raise up leaders. Find as many people as you can to invest in. Take them under your wing. Encourage them. Look for somebody to invest your life in. Regardless of your age. Start loving and leading any of the people that God allows you to love and lead. Purposely start looking for people that are struggling. So I'm going to ask you the question one more time. If you died tomorrow, have you left us enough to carry on? Have you left enough of yourself to us? Or are you just going to take it with you? What can you pass on to somebody? Pray that God will point you in the right direction. That's Jesus' commandment, not, not, not mine. In fact, I'll, I'll close with that. And specifically, here's what Jesus said about all this. It's found in Matthew 28, 19. So wherever you go, what? Make disciples. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. So wherever you go, see, that's what discipleship is, guys. You understand that. We spend all this time trying to figure out what discipleship is. By all the books, all the conferences. We're always trying to do discipleship. We're always trying to do discipleship. We think it's Sunday school. We think it's small groups. I'm going to tell you what discipleship is. Discipleship is you as a believer finding somebody that's trying to get where you are and helping them get there. It's not a 13-week class. It's not a connect group. Those are great. They're great. You know what one of our five E's here at our church? We have five E's. They're the pillars on which we build everything. It's our purpose statement. One of our five E's is this. We want to educate believers to follow Christ called discipleship that's what this message is about mamas daddies disciple your kids you disciple the little ones older ones disciple the younger ones recognize that there's somebody around you 
that could benefit from the expertise that God has allowed you, the education, the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding, the information that God has given you. Recognize there's a reason why God gave you. He invested that in you. Why? For you to carry it with you? Keep it to yourself? No. So you could leave it to the next generation. If you died tomorrow, what would you leave leave them behind? I want every person in this room who would say, wow. This message provoked me to thought. This make me think I could do a better job. I could do a better job investing in someone. If that's you, I want you to stand. I could do a better job at this. I know I could do a better job at investing, at passing what I know to someone else. I'm going to have to be, you know what we have to be? I'm going to have to be intentional about this. I'm going to be intentional. I may have to sit down and write. God's convicting me about this. I've been like, why would anybody want to read what I wrote? But he's convicted me about places I've been, things I've been through, and all this, that that can be a benefit. So I don't know how it's going to happen. He's, conv- he's convicting us about those things. What you're going to leave to the next generation besides a few old, this is how old I am, a bunch of old cassette messages on tapes, and then a bunch of CDs, and now a few messages online. What really are you going to leave for folks? What are you going to leave to your family? What are you going to leave to your children? We've got to do a better job, don't we? Don't we got to do a better job? Lift your hands with me. Let's just ask the Lord to help us. Lord, look at us. We are sincere. We really haven't been trying to be um, malicious about it. I mean, I think maybe just in our ignorance, in our believing that we really didn't have that much to offer and why would anybody want to hear it? We've just been kind of laying low. But now, God, you're saying to us that you want us to be more intentional in our discipleship. And I pray that you would help us. Help us, God. Help us this week to identify somebody who is hurting, who's broken, or somebody who's trying to get where we are. Let us invest in each other and lift each other up and bear one another's burdens and pray for one another. Help us, God, as we become active disciples of Jesus. We're committing to that this morning. We're asking for your help and for your Holy Spirit to remind us and point us to those opportunities. While all of us are praying, let's continue to pray. But I want to ask a more specific question. Because perhaps there's individuals here who are not serving Jesus. And I want to tell you something. If you're not serving the Lord... Boy, let me, let, let, here's a word of encouragement to you. If you're not serving the Lord, then you're going nowhere fast except to hell. That's it. I mean, your whole life stinks. It's a mess. It's a shambles. It's not going to do anything, and then it just gets worse. What a terrible plight. What a horrible future that you're facing. It don't have to be because Jesus came died for us so that we could be set free from sin and from ourselves, and so that he could become our Lord and Savior and we could live for him, with him forever in glory and 
wow, we could have an abundant life now, between now and eternity. It's an amazing thing. But not everybody enjoys that life, but you can. So I don't want to give, I don't want any of us to leave without having been given that opportunity to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I won't, I won't uh, stay long on that point, but I would ask everybody to be praying. And, and, and if that's you that would say, I, I'm ready, I've counted the cost. It's not an emotional decision. I am ready to surrender my heart, my soul, my life, my future. I'm ready to surrender everything 100% to Jesus and make him my Lord and Savior. Then I want you to raise your hand. I'd like to see who it is that I'm talking to. Amen. Anyone else? if Brad, Angela, Brian, would you would y'all join me and just kind of spread out across here? You know, just kind of spread out across. Um, Katie and Tammy, would y'all help us with this? I just want, I want to have I want to establish a prayer team right now. We always have one, but this morning we're just kind of impromptu putting this one together. And here's what I would say to you when Neil leads us in this song if you need prayer I want you to come to one of these and they're going to pray with you we turn this into a house of prayer so for the next few minutes you you can stand, sit, walk kneel whatever you want to do to pray but if you raised your hand for salvation or if you need healing or if you need help or direction in any other way I specifically want you to move out to one of these who are going to pray for you and when you get here I want you to tell them what it is that you have need of and they're not going to counsel they're going to pray with you the prayers that need to be prayed and then it can counsel with you afterwards establish that later but uh, during this song don't let this opportunity get away if you need healing if you need guidance you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, struggling in a relationship, or as I said, if you're wanting to come to Christ, whatever that is, don't let this moment get away without taking this advantage. Neil, lead us if you would.